everybody. Michael Lombardo here. Welcome to Awaken Podcast. It is my joy to be with you again today. If you are new to the show, every Monday we have an episode releasing on charismapodcastnetwork.com. You could also go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Audible, pretty much anywhere podcasts are listened to. You can tap in. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review so we can get this out to more people so they can be blessed They could be strengthened and awakened by the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you're on YouTube, if you prefer YouTube, a lot of our stuff is on YouTube. Not everything. When I first started recording the podcast, we weren't doing video, but there's hundreds of hours of video content. Look up Michael Lombardo. Look up Awakened Podcast. If you go down to the description below awakendallas.com is up on there. Our website's on there as well as YouTube and all of that stuff is there. And if you are in the DFW area, come join us at Awaken Dallas. Come experience the presence of God with us. Come adore King Jesus with us. Exalt him. Minister to his heart. Get grounded in the word of God. Receive ministry. Hear the vision. Hear the heart behind Awaken Dallas. There's also a previous episode Uh, sharing how the Lord really spoke to my wife and I about planting Awaken Dallas Church. And so make sure to tap into that. But I want to dive into um, this conversation with a friend of mine. Um, Just recently met him, followed his ministry a little bit from a distance because of a mutual friend that we both have. And uh, this individual, his name's Kyle Hubbard. He was on the podcast actually about a year and a half ago. I love Kyle. He introduced me to Josh McDonald. And um, we just recently got a chance to connect at the end of last year when I went to IHOP KC. And I love his heart. I love what he's doing. And so I want to have him on the podcast and I want to talk about the Lord and what the Lord's doing in in this generation with him. And so Josh McDonald, him and his wife and their two children, they reside in Kansas City, Missouri. Josh and his wife have been leaders at the International House of Prayer in Kansas City since 2009. They give themselves full time as intercessors in the IHOP KC 24-7 prayer room, leading prayer sets, as well as discipling believers and students in that community and the larger Kansas City area. In fall of 2022, which we'll talk about a little bit here, they stepped into a new role as the directors of Awakening Teen Camps. In addition to what they do in Kansas, uh, in Kansas, excuse me, Kansas City, they travel all around the world, calling the church to a deeper surrender and devotion to Jesus. And so, Josh, man, welcome. Dude, it's an honor to be here. It's going to be <laughs> fun, man. Thank you for having me. I feel humbled. You've had some big hitters on here. I don't know how I ended up in the mix, but Bro, we're I, doing it. I love your heart, man. I'm so glad that Kyle connected us. I love connecting with people in the body of Christ that are just in the trenches on the front line, (laughs) laying down their lives for the gospel. And um, I loved hearing your heart, man, in Kansas city, talking to you, hearing your testimony, all the cool things that God's done in your life and your family's life. And so it's an honor to have you on, man. Yeah. Thank you. It's an honor, man. Come on. And so tell us a little bit about, before we dive into our subject here today, man, tell us a little bit about awakening teen camps. Yeah. So the awakening teen camps are, a summer camp here in Kansas city. It's three camps actually. So it's three camps that kind of go back to back to back. There's a junior high camp. There's a high school worship camp. And then there's an, what we call all high school camp. Hmm. And, uh, so it's three camps back to back spanning ages of 12 to 18 years old. And, um, uh, it's something that's been going now for, I think around 13 or 14 years and um had different people leading it in different seasons but um i, I think i think around 10,000 around uh, somewhere between 7 and 10,000 teenagers I, I don't know the exact number have come through this camp mm. and uh it's just phenomenal man so typically you know 3 3 to 5 to 600 uh per camp and the lord just pours out his spirit so we you know people and it's it's all over the world right people from all over the world fly in ki- parents bring their kids and yeah. it's a combination of immersing them in the culture here of 24-7 prayer mm-hmm. with um, lots of fun all in the meantime. And it's it's so crazy. There's such a large amount of mid-20-year-olds that are now doing great things that are here at IHOP KC that their story traces back to, you know, when I was 15, I came to Awakening Teen Camp and it marked my life. Yeah, and I knew man. that I wanted to go be a part of these people in Kansas City, you know, and um, even since we took over ATC, we call it ATC for short. Mm-hmm. We just had, we've had, you know, 10, 15, 20 people, you know, who are now worship leaders in our house of prayer or whatever it might be coming to us and being like, Hey, I got to tell you, like, 
we're so excited you're doing this. Like when I was 15, you know, I came to here and it marked my life radically. And, you know, and so we're just do, we're just so excited. There's a significant, like, honestly, like an open heaven that just rests over our house every summer when these teens come. And, um, we're just so excited, man. It's, it's, uh, it's all things that a teen camp is like what you could imagine, but also much different because, they're being immersed in, in the 24 seven prayer culture. So sure. they, they spend, they get to go to the prayer room three or four times. And the worship camp specifically is, is, um, and I don't say this from a, from a prideful or a boasting perspective, but there's no other camp probably in the world like the worship camp, because it's, it's all things that camp already is, but they, they come because they have a passion to, you know, for their instrument. Right. Mm-hmm. And so these high schoolers and teenagers, Maybe one plays drums or one's one can sing or one plays keys. Well, about 100 to 150 teenagers come to this camp. And on the first day of camp, they do what's called a tryout, basically. Yeah. And what we call it a placement, actually, because everyone makes the team. And then our, our Awakening Team Camp team, after that first day of placements, they go sit in a room and they assemble all of these worship teams. <laughs> and our teens actually do their own prayer room for two hours in the afternoon. So you got Johnny from LA you got who plays the drums and you got Caitlin from New Jersey. And they actually were teaching them how to do a two hour intercessory, like prayer set from their instrument. And we're giving them tools to go back home and get their friends together to pray for their high schools. And so it's just very, 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 very unique, you know? And so it's just, uh, it's a joy, bro. And we're excited for this year. It's a, it's a wild story how we got into this position, but we believe the Lord is, uh, we believe it's a new season for ATC. We believe it's a new season and, and, uh, we'll see where it all goes, but God's going to pour out a spirit. I know that much. <laughs> Dude, it's amazing what God does in settings like that. I was that punk that got dragged to like a, a camp in the summertime at 14, 15 years old. And I thought I received nothing from it, but like my wife encountered the Lord deeply at 12, 13 years old, marked her. She was that young girl in high school that was sharing the gospel with everybody. We just had wow. Jake and uh, Stemo on the podcast who does worship camps over there in Wichita, Kansas. And he told me the story of how he met his wife as a teenager in a worship camp and at a youth camp and how they wind up getting married years later. It's just beautiful what the Lord does in that setting, how he marks people for his glory and how it's just, it's just when all these young people are gathered together in that space, what he could do inside of their hearts. And so dude, I love that you're doing that. God is definitely marking this generation. Um, I would say I did. I saw, I saw on Instagram a little bit how you were sharing your heart about this young generation. And man, I want to talk a little bit about that because we do see a hungry group of young people rising up that want the real and and the authentic. They want Jesus. They don't want the fluff. They don't want the religion. They don't want the programs. They want the presence of Jesus and they, and they want his word and they're hungry and it's deep. And you did talk about how interesting this generation really is, especially out in the world, about how the enemy is fighting against family, about even identity is being attacked on a heavy level. And not even just a lot of the demonic stuff, but even just the distractions, how accessible um, everything is. You just click one button or whatever on the whole wide world of whatever you want to look at, whatever you want to research, whatever you want to know is available and how their attention is always being fought for. And so... I just see God doing something amazing in the youth, and I know you're dedicated to it. You're leading prayer sets. You're leading kids. You're discipling children. I would love your outlook on it, man. I believe it's very valuable. I want to hear from you. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I'll take a couple minutes on that. So, you know, for me, you know, my story is is a part of where I'm going to go right now. You know, I was 18 years old. I was brand new Christian, you know, so I have one of those stories, wilding and out, drug addict, selling drugs in my teenage years. And, you know, I ended up getting saved in November of 2008. I got court ordered to spend a year at a boarding school rehab facility, yeah. kind of like a teen challenge, basically in yeah. Michigan. And uh, I got saved in November of 2008 in that program. And about a month and a half after I got saved, they actually took five of us guys in this program all the way from the top of the state of Michigan to Kansas City to our to, to an IHOP KC annual one thing conference. Yeah. Um, which is a, people out there, I don't even know what that is, but we used to do a conference here in Kansas City, huge one, about 20,000 people would come to it. 
from all over the world. And uh, it was at the end of the year from December 28th to January 1st. And I remember it's one thing, 2008. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm 18 years old. I had just gotten saved 45 days ago. You know, and you'd think, take the kid to the cool youth conference that's got all the cool <laughs> guys and a yeah. rapper or something, you know. Sure. And here I am. I'm thrown in this wild, you know, Mike Bickle preaching on the end times, <laughs> Missy Edwards yes. singing about, you know, I can hear the rhythm of the lion of the tribe of Judah. You know, yeah. you're like, what is going on? But I remember being an 18 year old and sitting underneath teachings that were so over my head, right? Mm. Like, but I, but, but Mike Bickle gets up on the stage that on the first night of that conference and he preaches this radical message and he's using this language about how God is raising up forerunners. He keeps talking about forerunners and John the Baptist and like in the same way that John the Baptist was marked for the return of Jesus. He's just, you get the point. He's preaching this message. Sure. And here I am, I'm 45 days saved. I mean, I'm 18 years old, but there was a man on a stage who was burning, who was actually a voice and was mm-hmm. actually burning. And he wasn't trying to preach a relevant message to tickle the ears of a bunch of young people. Mm-hmm. He was calling them to something that was so far beyond what their minds could imagine. And what I realized as I look, and I got marked that night, by the way, I got marked mm-hmm. to give my life as a forerunner messenger. I didn't even read the Bible half. I haven't <laughs> even read the Bible at that point. Yeah. But I gave my life to this call. And here I am, you know, 15 years later, still doing it. Mm-hmm. And but what I what I've realized about that moment is that when, you know, for every person out there that is a believer, it doesn't matter if you're a believer for five days or 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 five years. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter because the Lord puts a deep of a deposit within you that is supernatural, right? It's mm-hmm. the Holy, it's Holy Spirit. Yeah. Our, you know, according to Ephesians, right? I was once dead. Now I've been made alive. Yeah. And so the problem that we have in our day is connected to Gen Zers and 18, whatever, teenagers, young college students, whatever, is we're trying to reach them here. Yeah. We're, we're overemphasizing trying to reach them where they're at, which is, which there's a whole psychology behind it that's actually important. But you've got a lot of people that are not voices, they're echoes. Mm-hmm. And, and they're trying to be relatable to this generation and they're reaching them here. Yeah. And it's not hitting something deeper. Mm-hmm. And so what I realized about that moment as an 18 year old was, is there's a man on a stage in his fifth, you know, late forties or fifties, but he's been burning and fasting in prayer where no one's, you know, for, for, for decades. Yes, and yeah. so he was able to speak something and the deep that was within Mike Bickle called out to a deep of a generation. Mm-hmm. And I think so. So when you're talking about this generation wants something real, they want something authentic. I don't always necessarily go to the perspective of like, raw and real and not fake though that's important i think of real authentic in the holy spirit and and a deep that someone actually paid the price for Mm -hmm. because i believe that i can stand in front of a group of 14 year olds who are a bunch of punks who don't really know anything but if a real burning man gets in front of them and calls them to something Mm -hmm. it will go past their mind it'll go down and it'll touch the depths of their spirit they won't understand what's happening here but something on the inside is stirring and Mm -hmm. that's when young people get marked and so i think i think so 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 that's thing number one i want to say is that we have got to be we we, we I, god is desperate for voices in this hour it is a there's it is desperate time for true voices because because of the over accessibility that this generation has to instagram facebook TikTok, youtube podcasts you name it is that anybody can insert themselves in the conversation now. oh 100 and yes. And there's a there's a pro and there's a con to that. Mm-hmm. The pro of that is we can the gospel is being brought forth at an un, like unprecedented time of human history. Mm-hmm. We have more access to the gospel right now than any time in the world because of Facebook, because of Instagram, because of TikTok, because of the Bible app, because of podcasts. That's a great thing. 
But the problem is, is the way in which God marked his voices 30 or 40 years ago. Now you can just go on a Facebook live and think you have something to say. And you can even (laughs) know your Bible. You can know your Bible and you can have all the right things to say. But, you know, as well as I do, Mm -hmm. two people can preach the same message. And one person preaches in the Holy Spirit falls in the room. The other one preaches in. It's like, yeah, good message. Mm -hmm. But the problem and that now let's go deeper. The second problem with that is, is we have a generation that doesn't understand the difference between gifting and anointing. Mm-hmm. And so, so if you are good looking, you know, if you're not overweight and you look good and you, and you, you, de- you dress well, yeah, that's hit. one thing you got going for yourself. Yeah. If you, and then if you've got a good communication gift, like, dude, I could preach your socks off right now about football, dude. I could preach your socks off right now about sneakers. I was I was born from God to be able to speak and articulate. It's just the way that I was wired. That's why I was good at selling drugs before I was saved, right? Yeah. It's just the way I'm wired. I have I just have a natural ability to uh, communicate in words thought. Mm-hmm. And so the problem that we have is we have people that sincerely do love Jesus but have not really paid the price in secret of deeding the scroll, fasting and praying, you know, going after the deeper things of the spirit. And they got some good looks and they know all the, the techniques. And so we've created an entire structure and a system around good communicators. Mm-hmm. But good communication doesn't necessarily mean that there's weight behind what you're saying. That's yeah. why the demons are looking at <laughs> are looking at these guys and going, I mean, all we know. Jesus, we know, but who are you? Mm-hmm. And and they're using the same words. Yeah. And so I think I think you're right on about that. And so I think the the I I'm actually gonna hit it from a unique angle. I think the the distraction and the accessibility that this generation has, even connected to Christian content, yeah. is actually a challenge within itself because mm-hmm. we've got a lot of people that do do you know how many young people? their life in God is literally Instagram and TikTok influencers. Oh, hundred percent. Like that's yeah. where they get fed. Like that's how they get fed. They watch 30 second Instagram reels. <laughs> yes. As their spiritual appetite. No, and, I, and I'm one of the contributors sure. to the 30 second Instagram reels. Yeah. But there's not a generation that's being called. There's very few that are calling this generation to get lost on yeah. the, you know, get lost in his Come presence, on. get lost in the secret place, yeah. live a lifestyle of fasting and prayer. And I think that there's so much pressure from the dark side with pornography, Instagram, Facebook. I mean, mm-hmm. you saw what happened on the Grammys. I mean, just the level of onslaught of darkness lurking at every corner mm-hmm. and not even, and, not, and, and and here's the thing, Michael, not even just the outward Okay, it's obvious, like yes. at the Grammys, right? It's like, mm-hmm. okay, the dude's got devil horns with demons worshiping him. Okay, a little bit much there, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But like, but 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 here's the thing: that stuff's easy to identify. But in general, the amount of information that's being thrown at a generation to mold and shape their thinking—absolutely—it's oh, um, a subtlety from what. Yeah, from what is successful, from what is th- that's why that I think that clip you're referencing is. Um, about me preaching was I was preaching at a church to an older crowd recently. And I was just saying to them, you guys have got to get grip for the next generation and not look at your generation as better because you didn't, you didn't have the same access to the things that they do today. Your biggest, you know, your, your biggest distraction was, you know, Michael Jordan and a Wheaties commercial. You know what I mean? Like nowadays it's like, this generation, and there, there's a whole flip side of the conversation, though, by the way, about honoring authority and our parents oh, that this generation absolutely. has to hear desperately. But sometimes the older generation looks at the, the younger generation as like, they're so distracted. They're so, well, you would have been too. Mm-hmm. So for the, for the 50, 60, 70 year old out there that looks at the next generation as the most distracted generation of human history, it's like, well, that's also because of what they have access to. So it's not, it's not just like for some reason this generation sucks and they're distracted. Mm-hmm. It's like you didn't have YouTube, you didn't have Facebook, you didn't have Instagram, you didn't have smartphones, you didn't have anything. Mm-hmm. You know, you hardly had anything to distract you. Like you had like you you had TV, sure, but like it's just a different day and age. And and, and our generation mm-hmm. is um 
it, it is bombarded beyond any generation of human history. And so even more so God is the ancient path of how, of, of how we have to walk in the Lord is what they have to be called back to. Man, a hundred percent. I just even feel like what you said about what you said about just the access to even Christian teaching and reels, yeah. 30 second reels of just like, boom, this is what God's saying. Boom. This is a prophetic word. Boom. This is what the word of God says. All of that is wonderful. As long as they're yeah. additives, they're not what you're see here. What I feel like the church is I've been analyzing this and the Lord calling us the plant. I'm like analyzing, like what are the wonderful, glorious things that the body of Christ is excelling at right now? And what are some things that maybe are more man centered that, you know, or maybe just not what the Lord wanted for his bride. And what I've what I've seen, man, is that a lot of ministries, not just churches, but a lot of ministries want people dependent upon them and their content. They want people running to them, going to them. Like, let's just use a church, for example. You know, we want to create an atmosphere where the Holy Spirit could move, and that is wonderful, and we want that. But do we teach people how to create that atmosphere at their house? That's Are we right. equipping the body to be able to do that? So we want, you know, people to bring in their unsaved friends, their their unbelieving friends at church, so the pastor could lead them to the Lord. That's great. The ministry team could pray for them and lead them to the Lord. But why aren't we teaching people how to lead their friends to the Lord, then bring them to church so that we could disciple them? You know what I mean? And so I feel like it's a lot of ministries that have a little bit more of a man focus, like, hey, come to us, you know, tithe here, you know, fill the seats or, hey, we've got a wonderful ministry, come and click our thing and do our thing or whatever. And so, and we're, it's, it's creating parrots. It's not creating authentic voices. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah, if you're if you're yeah. talking to somebody and all they're doing is quoting another famous minister, I love that. I could tell you things that Heidi Baker said to me that changed my life. I could tell you things that John oh, yeah. Bevere wrote that changed my life. I could tell you books that Bill Johnson wrote that changed my life. I love that. It's wonderful. Yeah. But when somebody is always quoting, everything they have to say about God is a quote, right? Then in that scenario, it's like, well, what's the Lord saying to you in secret? And just and just to tackle that, I know you brought that up, and I thought absolutely, you're a hundred percent right. We need to be equipping the body to create atmospheres at their house, to hear from God themselves, to dig in the Word themselves, to reach the lost themselves, so that all these other amazing voices just strengthen, exhort, add yeah. to, and isn't the main course. You know what I mean? But that being said, like we've used the word access a lot. We've used the word access a lot. It's one of my favorite words honestly just access like if you ask me what's my favorite thing about the lord there's a lot of things but what his finished work did to provide us access is like it's just like there is 24 7 access to the presence of god through the finished work of christ and i feel like that revelation is unloading on this revelate on this generation more than more than any other time in history. And it's almost like the enemy is just trying to get us distracted. And in the world, there's so much access, but it's almost like there's just something in the spirit going on with that. I know it's natural. I know that we're advancing in technology. I know all that good stuff, but like there's so much access to good things and bad things, but also the Lord is bringing such a revelation of our 24 seven unhindered access to him that is captivating kids' hearts and people's hearts all over the world and every generation, not just Gen Z. Right. That's right. Yeah. It's the Ephesians two that you once were far off have now been brought near, yes. you know, by of Jesus. And so there you actually can't do anything right now to be any closer to God than you already are. <laughs> That's right. Um, yeah. But we have to learn to line up with that because the reason why that doesn't feel true, people are listening to the podcast right now go, dude, they hear someone say that. Yeah. That you can't be you can't be any closer to God than you are right now. That 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 one right there feels like heresy to people because one, it's like they either don't feel close to God right now, or two, they had a season where they felt closer to God than they do right now. But the difference is, is because we live out of the flesh and our soul so much, yes. we don't feel how close we really are to the Lord. It's kind of like it's kind of like when marriages start struggling and you guys get distant to each other. You still live in the same house and you still sleep in the same bed, but you're very distant from each other. Mm-hmm. You don't feel close, but you're definitely close. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> sure. And so it's 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 that reality that Ephesians 2, I can't remember the verse right now. It might be it might be verses whatever. Let's just say Ephesians 2. Yeah. Um it 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 says in Ephesians 2 so clearly. 
you once were actually far from God, but because of his blood and because you put faith in his blood there, you can't be closer than to him. You are right. Then you are right now. But the, the wrestle and the journey that, that, that we're on for the rest of our life is to live and make choices that mm. fuel the life of the spirit. Come on, dude. Not the life of the flesh. And so, um, it's I not love about proximity, course, so. man. It's not about exactly. proximity. Love, it's well, about, I, go ahead. Go ahead. No, sorry. It's not about proximity, dude. It's about intimacy and it's about exactly. enjoying the reality that is present. It's about, you know, because it's a life of faith. And so did Jesus not provide it? Yes, he did. There is, he lives on the inside of us. So you can't get much closer than that. And we don't need to strive or earn our way into a place of right standing or nearness with God. But now how much of that reality do we want to experience? You know what I mean? Like we do need to tap in by faith. We do need to turn our eyes away from lesser things and turn our eyes upon the Christ. But when we do that, it's not like he gets closer. We just become aware undone and enraptured by that reality you know what i mean but yeah it's yeah we gotta keep washing our car that's it you know <laughs> you, you, yeah. your car's dirty your car's dirty because you watch netflix all day long and you don't pray that's it. and then you feel far from god because because your soul is driving your car that's right yeah. you're you know cory russell says this all the time i love cory he talks about when we fast what fasting does after day two day three day four is our flesh and our soul that drive that is the, that is the primary driver of our car. Yeah. It takes the back seat and the spirit moves from the back seat to the front seat, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, but, but it takes diligence and it takes effort. It takes life choices to live in the opposite of that, which your flesh desires. And so yeah. I think that you get the point and, 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 um, but you're exactly right. This generation is attracted to, uh, the presence of God. They, yeah. they they are attracted to the presence, point blank. Point blank, um, bro, and that's everything. Point blank. It's it's that simple. And so we, as fathers and mothers, have to be a people um, of His presence to bring young people into something that is real and authentic. Yeah, man, absolutely. And one thing I wanted yeah. to I wanted to bring up to you as well is, especially being in full time ministry for as long as you have been and raising a yeah. family. How many kids do you have, man? Two. We have a boy who's 11 and a daughter who's eight. Yeah, man. Those are prime ages right there. And one thing yeah, that I've one thing that I've loved, and especially when I got saved, I read a book called God's Generals by Robert Lairdin about Smith Wigglesworth and John G. Lake and all these amazing revivalists of old and John Wesley. And it shows you the strengths. It shows you the miracles, but it shows you the hangups. And what I loved about that book, read it when I first got saved is like, wow, these people were out of balance. Yes, they were used by God. Yes, they were devoted to the Lord, but they laid their families down a lot of the times on the altar of ministry. And the Lord is, the Lord is changing that in this generation. There's ministers all over the world that is, that that are prioritizing family and realizing that family is their first ministry. And even the word of God says that that's not just something cliche that we say the word of God, when it's talking about elders, I believe it's in first or second Timothy, the apostle Paul says, Hey, going to manage a household of God. If you can't even manage your own household. And so it's one of those realities of, wow, as a minister of God, we have a wife, we have children or a wife has a husband and children. It's like, how are we living that life out? How are we living central on Christ and how are we ministering to our children, loving and disciplining our children? How are we living in that, you know, bridal paradigm with our, with our spouse? Like there's, that is so important. And then the overflow of doing ministry and touching lives and being a voice in the body of Christ is the outflow of that. And it's secondary. And I love how, you know, I followed you on social media some and just see posts of you like talking about how to pray for your wife, how to pray for your children. Um, practical, like I'm driving and I'm praying for them as I'm driving from point A to point B, you shared. And then how you had a video of you and your son praying for each other. He's 11. He is in that age group where, the world, the enemy, all the different things in life are trying to pull at them, but you're fostering that relationship and pouring kingdom into them. And so I kind of wanted to end on that note because we're trying to change everyone else's kids. And as ministers, we have a voice to a, a large range of people, but the Lord is bringing such an awareness that it starts with our family and the family dynamic is kingdom. And, you know, and that's how, cause your, your children are going to be out there as voices for the Lord. Your children have a voice, whether good or bad. And what you deposit in your son and in your daughter, when you're not here anymore is going to be continually manifesting in the earth. And so anyway, man, love to talk about that. Dude. Yeah. You're, you're cracking open a gigantic subject, but, um, <laughs> you know, I like to like do that said, sometimes. Like you said, you know, the temptation to sacrifice our families 
okay, right, right. The 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 big the big the big hot phrase that people will say is, um, you know, sacrificing your family at the altar of ministry. Mm-hmm. Right? People will say that all the time. And I think that that goes both hand for the entrepreneur in the business stream or in the full-time ministry. Because, because I think, I think that at the end of the day, those that have ministries or those that own businesses, they're, they're cut from the same cloth because what, what happens is it's one thing to be the guy that clocks in nine to five and works for the big corporate, whatever. And, Mm -hmm. and, and, and it's like, they're good at what they do. They make good money, but they work for somebody else. And they're, and they're really at the end of the day doing it to pay the bills. It's mm-hmm. easier for that guy to go to work and just do his job well, clock out at five. He doesn't want to come home and talk about his day at the job. Yeah. Like, unless if he's just really like got gotcha. some huge leadership responsibility. So what makes it challenging for the entrepreneur in business or the guy who leads a ministry is you're cut from a unique cloth where it's your everything. It's your blood, sweat, and tears. It's more than just making money. It's it's even your vision for your life. Mm-hmm. And so it engulfs your every, your every minute and every day. And it's your thought pattern. You're dreaming about how to build the next part of it. And you're, you're right. And so the the challenge with sacrificing your family at the altar of a business or a ministry is that it actually takes real discipline mm-hmm. to actually turn off something that's actually a very real and alive passion in your heart. Mm-hmm. And so so I think that's that's number one is it's the discipline to do it. But I think number two, where it gets really tricky in the ministry is that everything that you're doing in the ministry is also... Um, what God is doing. So it's so hard to shift in and out of the prophetic and all that the Lord is doing that also is your career path. Yeah. And to not, you get what I'm saying? And so it's, it's such a unique challenge, but for Landry and I, we've got a couple of things, you know, for my wife and I, thing number one is that we want ministry to be our life and not our job. And so for us, protecting family yet authenticity in what they experience in faith is a very unique dynamic because and there's there's a part of us that doesn't want our kids to view ministry as work mm-hmm. like that like because then they associate Jesus and they associate a relationship with Jesus connected to what dad does in ministry mm-hmm. and so if so for us we have tried to actually bring our kids into our life of ministry. Does that make sense? Yeah. And now some of that though, some of that though can actually be a con. And we're actually working on this right now. We're trying to navigate it all because um, our kids have grown up in an environment where it, it is, it is, it is um, our everything. So I bring my kids with me on every ministry trip that's that's feasible. Um, I, you know, we constantly have young people in our home, and our kids are in it, and. You know, I, I I enjoy bringing my family to the ministry events because I don't look at them as a distraction from the mission. I look at it as I, they need to be there. But on the flip side, um, we still, as ministers especially, have to actually disciple our children. Mm-hmm. We can't imagine that because they're in prayer meetings, because they're at the prayer room with me, yeah. because they watch me preach— and even know how to pray for people. They know how to pray for people, not even because they're super spiritual, because that's that that's normal to them to pray yeah. for people. <laughs> you yeah. know what I it's mean? The culture, yeah. And so my wife and I, our biggest struggle in battle is actually taking the time to disciple our children because the temptation, the temptation can be they do so much church and they do so much ministry. We don't want to put that on them when we're at home. But the problem with that perspective is, is then it becomes a clock in, clock out thing still where we do spiritual things when we're doing the ministry. And so Landry and I have tried to our best to facilitate a once a week uh, intentional conversation with, with our kids around kingdom things. That's it, once a week. And, 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 and so that's been a huge help for us. But as a dad, as a dad, I carry, as a, as a father and as a husband, um, as well as you, Michael, hmm. We actually have the most responsibility in leading our families, um, and there's a there's a there's a real pandemic in the earth of men. Mm-hmm. There's a real issue 
uh, major pandemic of fatherlessness in our nation. Mm-hmm. And and what I mean by fatherlessness is not fathers that aren't in the home. That 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 is a major issue as well. Mm-hmm. But I'm talking about spiritually fatherlessness. Yeah. Do you know how many men that you see on a Sunday morning at church d- are not leading their families spiritually? Oh, man. They go to work oh, yeah. and they grind. And they they do well at at, at providing for their families spiritually. I mean, uh, I mean, I mean, I mean, financially, mm-hmm. physically, but they 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 don't have the capacity on the inside to then come home and lead the atmosphere of their home spiritually. And so that's why that's why still to this day, prayer meetings are full of women mostly, and and it's it's a real reality. And so. But if you look at scripture, right, Ephesians 5 gives us the the analogy of a husband who is washing his wife with the water of the word, presenting her as pure and spotless for the Lord. Now, we know it's also a end time prophecy of how the church is going to look. But actually, as husbands, we are to actually be discipling our wives. Now, that doesn't mean our wives aren't radically on fire and maybe even more spiritual than us. My wife for sure is more tender than I am. I mean, my wife, when she prays for people, they manifest demons always <laughs> and they get rocked. She's yeah. got something on her, but it is my job as the husband to actually set the tone of my house of where we're going spiritually. Mm-hmm. And, and, and there's just so, and, and I actually, actually, I really care about this so deeply. I actually had a dream uh, in the fall of 2021, where in the dream, I was in our global prayer room at IHOP KC and I, I am on the microphone praying and I, and I pray and I pray this, this prayer. And I'm like, Lord, would you mark dads and husbands in this hour that they would, that they would lead their family spiritually is essentially Mm -hmm. what I prayed. And when I prayed that in the dream, the spirit of the Lord falls in our prayer room. And all of these women fall out of their chairs and go into groaning travail mm. for the husbands of the earth to arise, yeah. you know, and, and, and the, the end time prophecy connected to the spirit of Elijah and mm. connected to the John the Baptist spirit yeah. is Malachi four, yeah. six, which is that God's going to do what he's going to turn hearts of the fathers to their children. And then it says that when that happens, the children will turn their hearts to the fathers. But here, here's what it, here's what I believe it means, though. It's it's when when we as fathers take our place as the spiritual leads of our family and we turn our hearts to our children and actually fight for their destinies, cry out for them. What happens is, is our children see who the Lord is through us. And so then they turn their hearts to us because we're representing the father. And I actually did a, a panel about this not too long ago. And I, and, 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 and I, so I was talking about this and my kids, now I'm going to be vulnerable about it because I sound so spiritual right now. I sound <laughs> like I'm just man, right? My kids learn the most about who the father is by my lack of of me messing up as a father. Here's why. My wife and I have a high, 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 high value of walking in humility and repentance Mm -hmm. to our children. Um, I, so vice versa, if my kids learn about who the father is because of my mistakes, I actually learn so much about who the father is because of my mistakes as well. Mm -hmm. The Lord is so quick, Michael, to convict me. I learned so much about his nature because the Holy Spirit is so quick to whisper to me when I, when I, when I talked harshly to my kids mm-hmm. or I raised my voice to my kids or I, um, I, I spanked a kid out of the wrong spirit. Mm-hmm. I, um, I fill in the blank, right? The yeah. Holy Spirit will be so quick or the Lord will be so quick to just correct me and say, that's not how I treat you. That's not how I handle you when you blow it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's probably not a week that goes by that I have to go to my kids after we just had a big argument or I corrected them harshly or I did something mm-hmm. in that in that manner where I go to my kids and I repent to them and I say, you know, this probably happens once a week. Mm-hmm. Hey, the way that I talked to you earlier 
um, the way that I said this to you, that's that wasn't the nature of the father. And, you know, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. And so, like, yes, you have your you have your wins where you do it right and you feel sure. good. But Absolutely. I find yeah. that my kids, because what that yeah. also does is it, it teaches them about who the father is because and then it also gives them permission um, as kids to know that they're going to consistently trip, stumble and fail, um, in this journey. And so when they're watching their dad, who's a public figure who they watch preach at churches and conferences all over the nation, blah, 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 that, that same guy that they see on stage preaching Mm -hmm. to a bunch of people and the Holy spirit falling in the room, he just came into the room and apologized to me for yelling at me earlier. You know what I mean? And so I think that's so key. I didn't grow up in a generation that apologized or their, or their parents repented and apologized to them. No, no, no I, I love my family. What I love my family, but I don't recall, you know, my parents ever um, coming to me and apologizing because they spoke to me in a harsh tone or a harsh manner. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that's just so not normal for the boomer generation to live in humility because I think there's a fear of giving up power and control. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, no, so anyways, th- th- those are some of my thoughts on yeah. trying to lead my family. No, absolutely. Even the other day, I, we had some people over for dinner and I said almost the same thing. I said, my kids learn more about the father when I am choosing humility um, and asking forgiveness for not being a perfect representation of God um, to them and not being a really good, whatever, you know, maybe it's impatience or whatever it may be, you know, they they learn more than just me being perfect all the time, me having it right all the time, because now they realize like, wow, everyone's going to make mistakes. And so instead of them saying, well, my dad was perfect and I'm, you know, my failure, I beat myself up or whatever the situation is, there's just something they learn about humility when they see that humility. And it's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing, dude. I agree with you 100% on that. And even just touching on, even touching on what we're talking about, raising families. Like I love, I love the body of Christ, like the church. We, you know, we go to a building, we're gathering together, encounter the Lord. There's kids ministry. That's amazing. There's youth ministry. That's amazing. There's camps. That's amazing. There's missions work. That's amazing. All of it is perfect. And it's, it's good. Yeah, it's great. All of it. It's great. But what I, what I see a need for is the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. And so it's amazing that you children can be sent to your camp and encounter Jesus and be marked in a deep way. But then how do we teach parents to disciple their kids at home and to pour into them at home? And so I was just reading a book, actually Giant Killers by Bill Johnson. I was tapping into it a little bit and they created an entire curriculum for parents on like how to engage in conversations with their kids at the dinner table and how to do certain things, how to pray for their kids or how to teach their kids in a very simple, genuine way, how to hear the voice of God and different things like that. I'm just thinking to myself like, wow, it's beautiful to go to church and get marked. It's beautiful to have our kids touch in, in a children's ministry from the love of God hitting their hearts and from these camps and all of that. It's an, it's necessary, but how do we, and now just in that church context, I'm always thinking like, how do we, how do we equip the saints for the work of ministry? Like, how do we handle what God's doing in our children? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we need yeah. to sur- we need to submit ourselves to be disciples of the Lord Jesus, but then we need to gain practical tools so that we don't just rely on pastors, ministers, leaders in the body of Christ, just throw our kids in the children's ministry and that's how they're discipled. Throw our kids in a Christian school and that's how they're discipled. Get our kids to a youth camp and that's how they're discipled. That's how they get marked by God and they do learn from the Lord there. But what are we doing at home? Because there's no there's no divide now from natural everyday life to Christian ministry and Christian church life, which is what yeah. you're saying, which is amazing, bro. And I feel like that 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 divide is being bridged, and we're taking steps in the right direction. And I am so encouraged by what the Lord is doing in the bride. But I'm always thinking in terms of equipping. Like, man, it's great that we provide yeah. a wonderful service, and the power of God flows in these certain contexts, but man, how do we equip people to bring that home? And so, dude, I love your heart. I love what you're doing. Um, if anybody is in the Kansas area or around the world and they want to take their kids to awakening teen camps, they can contact you. They could reach out to you. How do people get more plugged into your ministry? I know you're on Instagram. Is there another place they could find out about these things? Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm a total, I'm a millennial man and I am owning, I am owning the uh, lanes that we have. So I am a total social media Instagram guy. So 
Um, if you want to find me on Instagram, my name is Josh McDonald, obviously, uh, M A C D O N A L D. I have a big, like lime green icon around my head. So it's pretty easy to see on the gram. Yeah. And then from there, you know, you can, there, there's a link in my bio to everything from IHOP KC to the camps to, but yeah, I mean, um, so really honestly, <laughs> IHOP KC's website is so intense. There's like a hundred things happening on there. You'll get to, you'll get to the awakening teen camps faster by going to my Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, in general, I mean, I, I, I believe social media is a powerful outlet and I am very active on there to yeah. bring the truth and the gospel. Yeah. Um, I just want to say one more thing real quick, Michael. Yeah, I, I, I don't do, want to keep this long. No, I, I don't do. want to keep this. I, I just want to speak to the parents out there. Like if they're listening to this at all, um, you know, it is, it is so hard actually to disciple your kids for, for a thousand reasons. Um, I just want to give a, an encouragement, but also a little sharp edged sword all at the same time. It, I want to say to this parents out there, it is of utmost importance that you prioritize your life in God, your oil in Jesus. Mm -hmm. You need to get up a half hour before work and be with the Lord. You don't got, you have the time that you have. So if it's, if you got to be to work by eight o'clock in the morning or seven o'clock in the morning every day, you probably only got 30 minutes in the morning and then practicing his presence and your drive to work and things like that. But it is of utmost importance that you have your own oil. Here's why. When you get home from a day of work, you're tired, you're exhausted, you're mentally spent. And it's so challenging because our kids and our families often get 30% of us mm. while the rest of the world gets the rest mm -hmm. because we come home tired. And I want to say to you, parents, there is a grace that God can and wants to give you to be able to come home and view that as your number one mission field. Yeah. Um, because I know firsthand how hard it is. I mean, I grind, dude. I, I'm a grinder, bro. I am yeah. totally a like <laughs> Gary V. If you know yeah. Gary Vanderchuk is like, I am that guy. Like, I can do 80 hour weeks every week. No problem. Mm -hmm. I'm a workhorse. I I'm 6 AM to 6 PM every day. And, and so I, I know what it's like to grind and I know what it's like to come home and you want your home to be the place that you can just, uh, but the Lord goes, actually, it can't be like, mm -hmm. it can be, but it can't be in the sense of like your kids need the best of you. But the only way that you're going to, be able to tap into that is by prioritizing a life in God. But then second of all, I want to encourage you, your times with your kids, when you try to be intentional, a lot of times are going to feel really unfruitful. Mm -hmm. Nine times out of 10, when we do our little 20 minute Bible reading time with our kids, my daughter turns into a total animal. She's like <laughs> upside down on the couch, literally like doing handstands. I'm like, what is wrong with you? Like, and you want to get so angry with them, Sit but down. just stick with it. <laughs> yes. But, but just stick with it and be faithful to it. Yeah. And, and, and the Lord will do the rest. And I just want to say, cry out for your kids in private. You know, it, it, you got to cry out for your kids. Michael has referenced a couple of times videos I've done on the practical. Um, I would say four to five days out of the week, I do this thing. Um, I have a drive every day to the prayer room, you know, and it's like you go to this, you, you take this left for a mile, you take this right for a mile, you take this left for a mile. And I just got this little rhythm that I do where when I pull out of my driveway till I get to this one major stop sign, I just pray for my son. It's a way for me to methodically just stay focused. Mm -hmm. So it's like from this, from this point to this stop sign, I just pray for my son. And it's like, my prayers sometimes are like, Lord, make them pure. Lord, protect them from bad people. You know, you're yeah. like, you just, but the point is you're praying for them. Then from that stop sign to, I merge onto the highway from that stop sign. And from that stop sign to the exit to get off, to go to the prayer room, I pray for my daughter. And then from the prayer, from that exit to the prayer room, I pray for my mom, for, for my, for my wife. And it's, mm -hmm. it's a seven minute, it's seven minutes of prayer for my whole family. But some people might look at that and go, is this really working? But well, what else are you going to do? Like mm -hmm. you either be faithful with what you have, and then you're going to have moments where the Lord grips you. I'll never forget. I'll end here. You'll have moments where you're gripped to really go, go further. Um, in September of 2021, me and a friend did a 10 day fast for our kids. There's a reason why we got to that point, but we did a 10 day fast for our kids to encounter Jesus. And you're never going to believe what happened. 
on the 10th day of the fast, the Holy Spirit fell in my living room and my son got convicted of his sin for the first time. Wow. Felt conviction of sin and actually got fearful of the fact that if he doesn't um, get right with the Lord, he'll go to hell. Wow. He actually felt and he was crying in my living room and gave his life mm -hmm. to Jesus. And I mean, so there are moments where you go, I'm going to lay a hold of my kids in prayer and make them my priority um, over anybody, because I'll tell you who is not relenting for your kids is Satan. Yeah, He's the voice of the accuser, Revelation 12, and he stands before God day and night accusing the saints. I promise you that Satan is, is, is on working overtime for your kids. Mm -hmm. And so if Satan's working overtime for our kids and fighting for their attention, then, you know, what are we doing? And so parents, dads, fathers out there, get connected to the spirit and don't quit mm. and know that your biggest fight in your, your most important mission field is that right there. Come so on, bro, I love that. I love it's spiritual yeah. and it's practical. It's just easy things yeah. that we can apply and it's powerful. And so dude, thank you so much for taking the time to be with me on the podcast. Today, yeah, I man, hope this time was encouraging. No, it was 100%. And so thank you so much, bro. Bless you and everything you're doing. I'm going to put links to, different avenues, the Instagram. And so everyone could, you know, follow. And so, but bless you, bro. Thank you, man. Yeah. Thank you, Michael. It's an honor to be on here. Yeah. 100%. For those who are watching or listening right now, thank you for tuning in to Awaken Podcast. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review so we can get this out to more people so they can be blessed. They can be challenged. They can be awakened by the gospel of Jesus. Bless you. And I'll speak to you next time on Awaken Podcast. Hey guys, Michael Lombardo here. Uh, just quickly, I just want to make a resource available to you. I wrote a book released with Destiny Image Publishers called Immersed in His Glory, a supernatural guide to experiencing and abiding in God's presence. My desire is for you to get to know the Lord in a experiential way, to break every barrier to experience God's presence in your everyday life. I've met people all over the world that are just hungry to know him, but just don't know how to get there, don't know how to experience Jesus in a deeper way. You know, what keeps you from encountering him in a greater way? Do you feel unfit to enter his presence? Do you feel stuck? Maybe you worry that you don't know enough to meet with God. Every human being is hardwired with a need for intimacy with God. When this need isn't met, we search elsewhere and we find ourselves broken and unfulfilled. But connecting with God is of utmost importance. And in this book, I'm just inviting you to experience this vital union with the Holy Spirit that is greater than you have ever imagined. A continuous fellowship with God where a lifestyle of miracles, visions, encounters becomes normal. All right, so in this book, you learn how to be free from self-condemnation, guilt, and shame through intimacy with the Holy Spirit. You learn how to um, have guidance from God as you experience His presence every day. You overcome lies that have held you back from experiencing more of God. You get a revelation of your inheritance that was already freely yours, you know, through the lavish gift of grace through Jesus. And so I just want to present this to you immersed in His glory. You can go to Amazon and find it there. You could also go to my website, lifepouredoutintl.org, lifepouredoutintl.org. Org, or you can go to destinyimage.com. The audiobook is available as well on amazon.com, as well as some video teachings at destinyimage.com. And so bless you guys. Grab a copy of Immersed in His Glory. Thank you.